Mark Hinton is senior sports writer for Stuff. Let's get our teeth into it, Mark. Uh, what did you make of uh, Super Rugby Pacific over the weekend? Good morning. Yes, well, um, Super Rugby Pacific or Mouthguard Gate. It seems to be um, the old uh, Mouthguards are dominating more than the rugby. They've become they've become the new. Um, what's the ref? The virtual ref. <laughs> <laughs> the TMO, yeah, yeah. The new TMO, yeah, uh, and, and not surprisingly, they're they've come from world rugby. And look, I mean, I'm call me sceptical. Anything world rugby seems to try, seem never seems to work properly. I mean, this whole TMO business came about through world rugby and wanting them to have more influence, and that hasn't worked. And look, they've introduced these smart mouthguards, which a story Radio New Zealand has been across, um, which. You know, a really good um, concept. I mean, you know, I, we're all behind making, you know, the players safer and the, these mouthguards measure the impact of the hit. But clearly they're not working properly. Why introduce something to a high-level professional competition until it's ready to operate properly? Can you just training? explain for people who didn't watch all the matches what was happening? Yeah, well, the players are now wearing these mouthguards that have this these sensors built in and they do and they record every impact the player has and when an impact reaches a certain level a message goes out to the medical um, sort of team on the sideline of games and, and they are able to pull players from the field for further testing what's happened is that players are being pulled from the field for testing when they really haven't felt like they've had any impact at all and and, and the players are rightly a little bit aggrieved by this. The mouthguards are a little bit clunky as well, so there's an aspect there. Look, it just isn't working properly yet, and maybe part of that's technology, but it's creating a little bit of an unhappy environment of players going on and off the field when they don't really need to be. So while the intent's good, the actual practice is terrible so far. I just see some RNZ reporting coming in here on whether or not the smart mouthguard woes might have been due to dodgy Bluetooth. So I assume they're being Bluetooth. That's how they're talking to the technology. Look, I can understand it. It's going to have to bed down. If we're serious, at the same time RNZ's been reporting on the case before uh, that's taking World Rugby and others to court, right, that New Zealanders are a party to because a generation of players and more than one is suffering uh, lifelong effects from their rugby careers. So, yes, we want to deal with that. But to your point, um, if the technology that's going to help with that comes in but then actually can't measure accurately or, or is playing up, that's going to cause some frustrations indeed and has. Absolutely. Absolutely it has. And look, it defected from a pretty interesting opening round of, of Super Rugby Pacific at the weekend, Catherine, and... Look, the one thing I will say, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And, you know, we've seen a lot of players go, um, you know, your Artie Savies, Bowden Barrett, uh, uh, Sam Kane, uh, some gone uh, temporarily, some gone permanently, a lot of others, you know, a bit clean out as always those post-World Cup. But really, the way it's opened up, the Chiefs won at home against the Crusaders in a brilliant contest. The Blues won, the Brumbies won. The Highlanders beat Moana Pacifica. The Hurricanes look pretty decent. Look, nothing's really changed. It looks like the top four New Zealand teams, at, plus the Brumbies, look the teams to beat. And after that, it could anything could happen in behind. So, you know, really, um, you have to say the Chiefs look good. The Blues look promising under new coach Vern Cotter. The Crusaders, although they're down, a lot of people are still very, very competitive. And they'll be there thereabouts again. So really, really, as much as all the players have come and gone, 
it seems like it's a little bit of a status quo in Super Rugby Pacific. Now, the Black Caps, they got off to a ripper in the first one day against Australia. Uh, it's T20, isn't it? Against Australia. Yeah. It was last ball win to Australia. It was a great match, and then it was pretty uh, average from there on for the Black Caps. What went wrong? Well, uh, we played Australia, essentially. Um, and New Zealand... It, Look, I look at. I've been thinking a bit about this rivalry or so-called rivalry. It's it's a bit of the rugby one in reverse or mirror image, in that the Black Cats just seem to go weak at the knees whenever they play Australia in cricket, and it's a bit like the Australians playing the All Blacks in rugby. Obviously, unable to really win any any matches that count. Haven't won the Bledisloe in twenty odd years and, and still counting. Look. You know that that it, it was really disappointing. The injuries sort of crippled the Black Caps a little bit as that series went on. But to lose three now and at least two of those matches, um, the Black Caps were in a position they could have done a lot better. So they could have easily won that first one. Obviously going to the last ball, second one I think they they kept um, the Australians to a pretty modest total and and went nowhere near to chasing it down on the post stamp that is in part. So pretty disappointing. Um, but not surprising uh, injuries, as we say, affected that series. But now we go into the test. Yeah, I thought it was odd, I have to say, to open with Mitch Santner in the second test, and I think that was because of, of a player injury. But you yeah. open with your best yeah. batsman. You don't open with another lefty who, you know, is going to sort of plug the gap. I thought that put them really on the back foot. Yeah, he came in, I think, at three. Um, oh, excuse me, he must have already lost a wicket by the time I looked up. Yes, yes, he came in early as kind of a pinch hitter, and it never... It never uh, happened. That was when they were chasing that small title in the second one. Um, and, you know, injuries kind of forced that. Look, they were a bit of a muddle and they got worse as that T20 series wore on. But we go into the test now. One in um, in Wellington starting on Thursday and then another in Christchurch after that. Uh, uh, would you believe it? The Black Caps record against Australia is just abysmal. I think in the last 30 years, uh, Australia have won 23 tests and New Zealand won. Uh, New Zealand is so competitive in the cricket arena, except against Australia, the international arena, except against Australia. That has to change, surely. You know, there are, there, you have to say there's a mental block there. The Black Caps need to somehow kind of reverse that trend. We can't just, they can't just keep losing to Australia. Look, and, there's and, a hardness know, in Australian cricket, and this goes back to the strength of its state competition. I watched during those t- T20s, I watched God knows how many catches dropped. In fairness, it was wet, but so what? You, you know, you're an international, you hold the catches, right? Stuff like, you, you don't get second chances. It was the same against South Africa's B-side that played the tests here. Uh, wonderful scores to Williamson and Ravindra, but they both could have and should have been dismissed much earlier in their innings. You don't get chances with Australia. There is a hardness to their play. And yeah, you just can't afford to have cracks and weaknesses right? and expect second chances. No, um, no, they're the, yeah, they're the All Blacks of cricket. They just do, you know, if you give them you know, if you give them a chance, they're going to absolutely make you pay. Absolutely. This is a good side. I, again, I'm not hung up on what we win and what we don't win. I just want to see great performances in, in a good competition. It's absolutely sold out here um, at the at the Basin Reserve. I keep meeting people who are trying to get to that test match. It's sold out. I think several of the tests are sold out, aren't they, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Huge interest because, it, you know, it should be competitive. Uh, the Black Caps need—they've got a couple of injury clouds. Look, they—they they need Ravindra. He's the new yep. star of this of this show. They need him out there. They need Kane Williamson. You know, in his last ten tests against Australia, I think he's averaging something like twenty-three. Ouch. He's gone past fifty once. They need Kane Williamson to beat Kane Williamson, and they need our—they need their bowlers to uh, 
you know, to match what the Aussies bring, which is a lot of hardness, aggression, and uh, and skill. Got to go up a gear, I believe. Uh, now the uh, well, I'm believing they will. Um, the Warriors, uh, the pre-season. We're not going to go near the off-task question, uh, but pre-season. How is it shaping up? Well, the question is it the most asked question in New Zealand sport? Is this the Warriors year? <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be. And and if, and from Warriors fans, the answer is always the same: yes. Um, so there's plenty of reason to be optimistic. Of course, they were beaten semi-finalists last year. You got the feeling at the end that the Warriors just sat on the rung below Penrith and Brisbane, didn't you? Just biting at their heels, snapping at their heels maybe, but just not quite as good as those two uh, leading two teams in the NRL. But look, there's every reason to be optimistic. Pretty much all that squad's back. They've added Roger Tuivasa-Sheik. They've added a very good signing and a hard-nosed Aussie forward and Kurt Copel. And they've got Chanel Harris-Tavita back from a year wandering the planet. So they've actually got better personnel-wise. Their pre-season's been promising. They open next for a Friday week, I think it is, against the Sharks. So um, if, if 2023 was the year of up the Waz, I think 2024 might be the year the Waz finally do it. The uh, it's on record. A uh, couple of yeah. minutes left. We must talk about Eliza McCartney's performance at the World oh, Indoor yeah. Champs in Glasgow. Yes, coming up this weekend, March 1 to 3 in Glasgow, a record 10 strong New Zealand team competing. We should all get excited. Eliza McCartney is fit, finally. She's had... Uh, more, it's well documented three years of just battling injury that have crippled her. She's back and fit. She's jumped 484, second best height anyone's jumped in the world this year. She's a medal contender in Glasgow at a, at a world championship level. And so let's hope she can kind of keep going, keep that momentum going, because we all know when it, that smiles on Eliza McCartney's face, New Zealand sport is a good place to be. Very good, Mark, and that uh, that is happening in Glasgow. Just touch on uh, one or two others that we we got one or, one or two other top performers there as well. Yeah, Zoe Hobbs is racing the sixty metres. Maya Ramsden the fifteen hundred. She's a college-based Kiwi. Uh, Maddie West in the shot put, and in the men, of course, Tom Ajako in the shot put. George Beamish, our three thousand metres steeple chase. I think he's running over the flat at the World Indoor. So plenty to keep an eye on there. Our athletes are. Um, you know, maybe not right at the top of their game, but very close to it. So this is a bit of a launching pad for them. Thank you, Mark Hinton. He is uh, Stuff's senior sports reporter.